Welcome to the Parental Guidance Podcast. I'm Jason Brock, one of your hosts for this revelatory show. Revelatory means informative. We know what revelatory means. And he's Jeremy McCarthy. How you doing, today, man? I'm doing good. I got to watch one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Uh, rewatch because I've watched a series of unfortunate events all the way through mm-hmm. seasons one and two, and then I just got to watch the opening episodes with a critical eye, <laughs> which isn't always the best for watching things that you absolutely love with it a critical can, eye. It can change it a bit as far as how you approach it, that's for sure. But nonetheless, I saw some things that I didn't see before, which is fun. Yeah. Well, in in case you haven't figured out at this point, we are reviewing a series of unfortunate events. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, so another one of those Netflix streaming shows. Yes, that you it can is. Pull up. It is based off of the book series, the very popular book series by Lemony Snicket. Which, if that's if that's not a pseudonym, that is without a doubt one of the most unique. It's and, not his real name. Uh, I know. I know. Man. Just his pen name. I know it's it's a great name. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it's yes, it's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lemony Snicket. And who it's plays who plays Lemony Snicket? <laughs> Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton for the first time in his life plays a serious role mm-hmm. through and through. Yeah, and he yeah. does it great. He really does. He does well. He has like the dream narration voice. Like if I had his voice, I would literally spend all day just talking into a microphone. Right, like I'm doing yeah. right now, and just listening to myself because he has just a fantastic narration type voice, so he's perfect for it. Yeah, what I like, um, for those of you who haven't watched this show yet, is that instead of just having a narrator go over the top of you know what's going on, you know, so there's different footage, they actually give him his own shots, and the way they do it is very creative. Instead of him in the books. Uh, you know, he's Lemony Snicket, the author, and he's telling, you know, the story and narrating it. And even in the movie that was done in 2003, they had Jude Law writing as the author, you know, of the books. But here he's almost acting as like a reporter on the case mm-hmm. and he's walking you through everything. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And for Patrick Warburton to have a role where he can actually be a little nuanced instead of just, you know, comedic was fascinating mm-hmm. to me. It was it was brilliantly uh portrayed. And for those who don't know, he uh Patrick Warburton played his most kind of famous role is Putty on Seinfeld. Yes. You know, this just <laughs> kind of goofy mechanic. Yeah, do kind of doofus sort of He was of also role. uh what was it? The Shoot, what's the superhero one? I can't think of it now. Oh, the Tick. The Tick. I was like the Ant. No, he's not the Ant. It's the Yeah, he was the Tick. He was mm-hmm. the Tick not in the new one. Because there's a new Tick series on Amazon Prime. Oh, you're right. But he was uh, in the first Tick series. Mm -hmm. He was also, for, you know, people of my age, he voiced Buzz Lightyear in the TV series. Because, they, you know, Tim Allen was the voice of Buzz Lightyear for the movies. Okay. Did you ever see The Emperor's New Groove? Yeah. And there we go. He's Kronk. There you go. He's Kronk. To me, when I think of him, I think of him as Putty or Kronk. Yeah, he's Kronk. He just has he has a really great uh, control over his voice, and he just has kind of that deep, you know, real like baritone. I'm like, oh, I'm just so jealous. Yeah, but his just but, uh, uh, it, the way he played this straight was really really good. It, it was, was it was excellent way of putting it was a excellent acting. In. He is on in the series, even though he only gets a few minutes each episode, mm-hmm. he's easily one of the best actors in the series. Which I've never said that Patrick Warburton is one of the best actors in anything he's in, you know? Yeah. 
which yeah. is what happens to a lot of comedy actors, you know, comedians. Yeah. You know, they're really good and stuff, and then they get a chance to actually play it real, and you're like, wow. You know, almost like, you know, I'll bring up Jim Carrey since, you know, Jim Carrey was Count Olaf in the movie in 2003. Mm -hmm. But Jim Carrey in, like, The Truman Show or The Majestic, all of a sudden he gets a real role, and you're like, dang. You're like, this is great. You don't expect it, you know, someone to be like that. And for Patrick Warburton in this, it's kind of a fun play because Count Olaf, played by Neil Patrick Harris, is an actor in the show, a struggling actor, and he's always over the top, and it's very... It's a very over-the-top show in a ways, mm -hmm. but then it goes back to you know the narrator, Lemony Snicket, who's just solemn, reflecting, uh, telling you uh, in remorse, like that kind of stuff. Well, and I mean, they repeatedly, one of the running sort of bits, gags, not even so much a joke, but is actually telling you to, to not watch this or to not... Yeah, to look Listen, away. Yeah, to, to look away from it, and I mean that's one of his his parts as the one who's bringing you the the series of unfortunate events, the um, sort of the 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 way that you know he has to deal with all of the stuff that's happened to the Baudelaire kids, you know, and you have this you have this understanding within the first episode that he has sort of an affinity for these kids. And it bothers him all the things that keep happening to them and stuff. And so it was an interesting way of doing the narrator, you're right, because he, he's not just a voiceover. He They have him. And at times it's like he's actually in the shot. And then other times it looks like he's um, – they literally have the shot that they took and they froze it in the background. And he's standing there doing yeah. the narration on almost like it's a blue screen in a way. It, it's, it was a very interesting and kind of bizarre way to have a narrator in. But it works. Yeah. Uh, as far as the other actors go, um, Neil Patrick Harris, he does a good job, but you still kind of feel like it's Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Which is, is great because, you know, he's, he's a fun guy. He's very, you know, Neil Patrick Harris, you know, in real life, he knows like magic. He's been on stage. He can sing. He can dance. He can act. So he is, you know, like... Who he's who Count Olaf wants to be basically. <laughs> yeah, and I think and, a lot of people know him for. And I never really watched the show, but How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, yeah. Sort of the isn't he sort of like the kind of the playboy? Kind yeah, of, he's yeah typical. Well, not yeah. typical, like crazy, over the top, outlandish playboy. But yeah. anyway, like his character in this Count Olaf, his portrayal is is tough because uh, the character in the books. From what I can barely remember the books, because I read a couple in like, I read like three or four of the books in like the third grade. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, no, the fifth grade. Uh, my little brother Tyler read them when he was like in the third grade, surprisingly. But so I remember just, you know, Count Olaf is like this tall and looming and kind of lanky character, you know, just like. Yeah. And Neil Patrick Harris isn't that tall. So at times, you know, they have this like, you know, he's standing at a window, you know, and it looks like he's very tall. And then they go to the shot and he's not as tall. And so it's tough. You know, you can't teach height. So this that's, that's one thing. This so he true. does what he can, but it's, he does a good job, but you still don't feel like he's quite, um, count Olaf. He's just, uh, he's a very fun. I really enjoy the character, but I want a little bit more. And in season two, he steps up his acting a bit. Okay. Yeah, because now you've seen all the episodes. Yes. I have not. I, I watched. This was my first time, you know, digging into them. And, you know, the first 
three episodes is all that I got through up to this point. And I'm I'm torn. You and I were talking obviously before we, yes. we start recording. And I'm torn because there's I there's a part of me that now my son apparently I, I did not know this. He's watching this at his mom's house. And he told me when I asked him about it that he likes it. And I was like, well, what about it do you like? Because I had seen two episodes up to that point. And he said that the thing he likes about it is he wants to know what happens next. And I get that because that's pretty much really the only draw for me at this point in the show is I just kind of want to know what bizarre characters are coming next and what exactly is going to go on with it. Because that's sort of, to me, the the main draw of the show is these just crazy bizarre characters you go into almost a new world every couple episodes oh yeah it is i mean as, as, you know as you and i talked about all the characters in this show and uh, presumably in the books are parodies of yeah. real life and i mean like even the kids they're parody i mean they're the most to a certain degree they're the most realistic but even they are you know parodies of, of children as far as you know violet and her ability to make these amazing contraptions out of just random stuff and yeah klaus being able to read and understand anything yeah exactly he's what 12 and he he read a a nuptial law book and and you know gave everyone a lecture (laughs) on it right and then Sonny being able to you know chew through anything Mm -hmm. the teething baby that can literally chew and smooth out a rock yes so it's and so i guess that was the thing going into the show is i was not aware and I think if you go into it, maybe understanding that everybody's supposed to be a parody of something, I think it might sort of like if I continue to watch, which I may continue because I'm kind of curious as to what happens in season yeah. in episode four. And episode and you saw that Nathan Fillion is in it, and you're like, okay, now I'm oh, watching yeah, until yeah, him. I'm curious, but I'm curious as to, uh, like my son said, I, I kind of want to know what characters are coming next, exactly what's going to happen. You know, Will Arnett. And, and Colby Smolders are in it as as the parents. Um, so I mean, it, there's there's some good names in it, and some good uh, Will Arnett cracks me up. I mean, he's yeah, so, the Batman in Lego Movie for those who are curious. But yeah, the the actors there's there's a variety of actors that they get, which is really fun. They get mm-hmm. a ton of different people to play, and it is a, a little bit of a bizarre world, very where bizarre. you can't pin down what era it is. Yeah, you can't pin down where it is. You're like, I think this is in America, but it also could just be anywhere in the world. And it's it's almost its own like its own universe, which is kind of the fun of it so Mm -hmm. that you get to have these outlandish things happen where it's not going to draw a giant attention like or it's not going to be a big deal to all the characters. It's just going to be something that's a little odd. Yeah, it's it's a it's. A real world definitely interspersed with sort of just this fantasy world, like you know, um, the world's deadliest snake happened to be, you know, this cuddly little python. I mean, it's just it's it's bizarre, um, and you know, they do put parts of it. I mean, they Peru comes into play at one point, which obviously, as we know, Peru's not fantasy world; it's real. Yeah, yeah, it's in the globe. I saw it's down south of us. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's interesting. It's, and it's, I would say that for any way that's going to go into it with kids, um, younger, younger elementary might be a little. Yeah, there uh, there's oh. a lot of there's a lot of uh, death and unfortunate events yeah. in this series. It has a creepy vibe. There's, on there's some in some in some episodes. The second one with the nuptial law, there is just sort of this creepy vibe to it at times that. I'm not sure how it carries through 
the remainder. I don't know if it's if it gets there's that stuff shadowy. That, uh, it's it's a it's a darker it's a darker mm-hmm. series for kids. Yeah. It definitely is, and that's why it was so popular for you know children to read because this is something that's so different. Yeah, and uh, you know you get something where there's actually death, where there's actually you know villains, where the adults aren't just you know all knowing. Yeah. In this series, you'll actually like in the in the TV series, or if you read the books, you understand that the adults all have a super low IQ, <laughs> a super big ego. So their ego is large, their IQ is low. They and the kids are smarter than them, but because they're kids, they're always being they're always coming up short because of the adults. Because of what the adults do, it ends up hurting the kids. And when you're watching this. Count Olaf is basically like the smartest adult, which after after you watch episode one is saying a lot because mm-hmm. he's not like the brightest, but he's a good he's he's going to be scheming and everyone. All the adults, you know, they have their own. Their own shortcomings and yeah. they don't treat the kids as adults. And yeah, that's that's always... why it struck a chord with readers of, you know, young readers because they're like, hey, no, I do have real problems. Hey, I can help. Hey, mm-hmm. I do know this. And with the vocab, like. All the time, Klaus was like, we know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the whole point of the introduction to this show is they they have a very consistent, uh, sometimes two or three times in one show, they'll have, you know, the adults are talking to the kids and they're talking down to the kids. And yes. they'll be like, you know, like for us, it was revelatory means informative. And they're always like, we know what revelatory means. And it's now they the kids never act, you know, like they're necessarily insulted or offended it's just sort of the adults will say that's what this word means they'll be like oh yeah we know what that means and the adults literally just continue on without stopping with what they were saying and it's it is like like you said it's sort of this world where the kids are kind of smarter than the adults and the adults are always sort of kind of talking down to the kids in a way um but then at the same time, the kids still have to have the adults. They need the adults for certain things. It's just this really interesting. It makes mixture. a good plot because mm-hmm. they can't actually succeed. Because even though Klaus is the smartest twelve-year-old and or whatever he is, I can't remember. And I think he's supposed to be yeah, 12, twelve and Violet's like and Violet's, fourteen. Yeah. So even though they're brilliant, they still have to take care of their baby sister, and mm-hmm. they still have to try to do this. And it's. You know, they're still under care, legal care of guardians. Yeah, they're not and, old enough to be on their own. They have to be, you know, shipped from one guardian to the next. And that's sort of the setup of the show. For those who may not know is that, um, and I don't think this is a huge spoiler or anything, the parents supposedly perish in a, ho- a fire of the house. And so that's how this whole show is built on, is that they're then being moved from one guardian to the next. Yep. And, and a lot of the guardians primarily Olaf or after the inheritance that they have sitting in a bank account that they can't access until Violet is old enough, which is 18. Yep. So yeah, so the series will follow Count Olaf basically chasing the kids and a bunch of bad stuff happens. So it's really weird for people who have, you know, children watching a show where there's going to be death. Mm-hmm. There's going to be things that burn down. There's going to be fires that happen. There's going to be, you know, things that are ruined, things that are wrecked, misdeeds, you know, mm-hmm. lies, cheated, like all this kind of stuff will happen and you will feel betrayed and your kids will feel that betrayal too at times. And, you know, it's it's kind of a quirky, odd way to introduce all these things for for kids. And I think that's why 
like I said earlier, the, the book series was really good. And for me, I was thinking about the book series because a lot of people don't like the, uh, the TV series because they read the books. And it's almost like, it's almost like Game of Thrones for middle schoolers. Obviously, Game of Thrones should not be viewed by middle schoolers. No. But a series of unfortunate events, you, you will get these kids now who will watch this show and want to read the books because there's only two seasons out of, the, of Netflix. But they can read the books and know what's going to happen. And then they can be snobby and tell everyone why the books are better <laughs> and why they know everything that's going to happen. And obviously, like in Game of Thrones, there are meaningful deaths. You get connected to a character, and then that character will perish. Hmm. And perish yeah. means die. Oh, I, I know what perish means. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I well played. I do, I do like the show, and I am a, I am a fan of things that are a bit edgier. And this mm-hmm. is, it's like middle school edgy. So it's not going to be, you know, like crazy, you know hardcore, violent, sexual, drugs, alcohol, or whatever. But they do hint at stuff, and they do Mm -hmm. actually have death. And, you know, they don't, like, make the deaths on scene crazy, dramatic, or anything like that. But people do die. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into our ratings. Okay. uh, My rating, as much as I really... I, I I love the books. I love the show. And I want it to be a five, but I'm still going to give it a four. I think they could do a lot more. Uh, and they do in season two. They do They do start to get into their own. They start to, you know, really hit the ground running. I'm hoping in season three they really kind of step it up. Yeah. Because they get better characters. The plot develops more. They kind of enjoy what they're doing. They, they got a glimpse of what they did right, and so they go with that. So I'm hoping season three would be better. I'm going to watch it regardless um, all of season three right when it hits because I love this show. I love the theme song. I get into it. I like the characters. The henchmen are some of my favorite part. I just really want the... I really want Count Olaf to be a little better. I want the kid actors to learn how to act a bit more because they're not the best actors, which can take you out of it because their lines almost... It's not quite as bad as Anakin and Padme, but sometimes it's like where it's just a line is said. Like, hey, Jason, we are podcasting right now, and this is fun. I like to talk into microphones. You know, sometimes when I'm hungry, it makes me sad. You should probably eat something so you're not sad. But, you know, there's just some of the lines they deliver are so flat. Yeah. And, I mean, I get it. They're kids. They're actors. You know, they're young actors, but still... I want them to progress more, and they probably will. You know, they get a little better in season two, and yeah. you know they're getting older, and so hopefully in season three they're able to do it more. But I, I would give it a four for most audiences. It's a fun show. It's zany. It's quirky. It's weird. It's different. Yeah. It's definitely different. And you know, you don't get that happy ending at the end of each episode, which draws you into the next episode. And it's almost it's a weird, surreal kind of fake world. And the animation will go into that, too, because they, they have these like weird blue screen or green screen, whichever you call it, mm-hmm. effects, which almost seem like to draw you out of it. But I think that's a an artistic portrayal because the happiness or joy in the show at times is only meant to be seen as temporary because it's almost as if it's fake because these kids are still orphaned yeah. and they're still going through something where they still have Count Olaf after them. All so, right. yeah, I'd give it a four. Right. For... 
kids and adults? Yes. Yeah. That four is a that is a okay. four across the board because it is edgy. Yeah. So it might turn some of you off. It might turn me off, and they they could improve. So it was just a straight four across for me. Okay. I know I, my son. He gave it three and a half scoops. Um. So I, he's. I'm waiting for the one that come across where he gives it four or five. I'm trying to think it out if he's given anything four or five. Yeah, he's getting he's getting harsh. Uh, so I, I think three and a half, maybe a four. Um, I think the best way to decide if you may or may not like this is if you're a fan of Tim Burton and his style of set piece, the scenes, the way they look, kind of that that sort of. I mean, you think of Tim or, Burton or Wes Anderson. Yeah. yeah, not as many people may know him. Though. I mean, he's I the the clip you showed me, I could see. Yeah, yeah, definitely Wes Anderson style. But Tim Burton is kind of known for those bizarre looking sets, bizarre characters, biz- just everything bizarre. Yeah. So if you're a fan of Tim Burton stuff, and I I like Tim Burton stuff, so that's why I'm going to probably give it a few more episodes and see if I get into it a bit more. I think you'll probably enjoy the show. Uh, because it does have that sort of feel to it, sort of like an Edward Scissorhands world. I mean, that was a bizarre world, yeah. but it was one that you kind of got drawn into anyways. It's just an example. Um, so I gave it three stars for me um, just because I'm still not sure yet even what I think about it. It's weird. Yeah, I've it's, seen it's three a, episodes. It's, a defin- it's, an, and, it's an oddity. So I couldn't go anything higher than a three because I'm not sure. Do I actually like it or not? Or am I just more interested in the fact that they've got these absolutely outlandish and weird characters? And I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. Do I like it or am I just more curious? And I, I don't know. So three I, stars right yeah. now. I will give you this. The henchmen grow on you. And Count Olaf grows on you. The first two episodes, it's Count Olaf being Count Olaf the whole time. Yeah. But then from then on, he has a series of disguises that he's going to try to infiltrate the Baudelaire's. Mm-hmm. And the way he portrays those is pretty fun. And like you're like, oh, I know that's Count Olaf. And the kids are like, hey, I know that's Count Olaf. And the adults are like, that's not Count Olaf. And it's a pretty, it's a, it's a running gag. Yeah. Sorry, I just hit the mic with my running gag motion. <laughs> but it is, a, it's a running gag. And it's fun, and it gets it gets a character break because it's a bit um, there's it's it's it overstimulates you when it's just Count Olaf being you know Neil Patrick Harris being Count Olaf. He's yeah. just very over the top all the time. So when he goes into his other characters who are over the top, at least it's different. Yeah, I will. I would agree with that because the third episode I liked the most, and it was literally because there was less Count Olaf. Now, Neil Patrick Harris was in it, but he was playing this character named Stefano. So there was less Count Olaf. Yeah, and it and was just too over the top with it, I think, in a way. It just kind of, I don't know, sort of put me off, yeah. I guess. And like I said, bit. he uh, he kind of grows into his character, yeah. which any actor should do. So season two, season two, all the characters get a lot better, which I was I was hoping for, and I was happy. And I'm just hoping they continue to progress with season three. I mean, this is a Netflix film with a good size budget. So, I mean, Netflix uh, series with a good size budget. So I think they will. Yeah, it's very true. I yeah. mean, uh, who knows? I mean, how many books are there? They're, uh, they're like 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we'll see. Or we'll more. See more. They, like, probably they, like, uh, they might be like 16 or 18. I don't know. Oh, wow. I'll, have to, I'll have to look that up again. It'd be interesting to see if they try to, to do all of those. My guess is they won't. I don't know. But I think they again, will. They've got a good following. Didn't you say it has like 38,000 reviews on IMDb it right does. now? It 38,000 reviews, 
That's so, good enough to keep going. This is very true. That I mean, that's a lot of reviews, and that's a really high rating for yeah. to have that many reviews. So, of course, the other thing is keeping the people involved and interested enough to yeah. do. <laughs> if true. there's like twelve to sixteen, that's a lot. That's a long set of series. Yeah, but well, it wouldn't know. be twelve to sixteen series. Like yeah. they, we've went through a, a bunch of books on the first season. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, they're, they're, gotcha. the, okay, the books see. are so pretty not... short. Okay. Like the Reptile Room is uh-huh. one book. Oh, so okay. that's two episodes. All right. Gotcha. So they're very short books. So that's why it was better for a TV series versus a you know movie. Yeah. And that's why the movie kind of failed because the movie tried to cram a bunch of books into a bunch of small books, which are, could be good for like a TV show, but it's still too tight for a movie to cram it all in. Makes sense. Any other thoughts? That was that's all I had. I'm I'm just I guess I'm curious to see what happens next with the and that's what that's what this show does best sucks you in you watch a a couple and you're gonna watch two seasons yeah fair enough all right as always i'm jeremy and i'm jason we have your back (laughs) all right social media it's everywhere you can't avoid it neither can jeremy and i so here's how you get in touch with us if you want to interact if you have thoughts comments even anger you can let us know jeremy can be found at Granola Jeremy on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I am on Twitter at Blue Badger 13. We also have an email address that is pgpconnection at gmail.com. Any of those ways, feel free to interact. You can also find us on Facebook. I believe Jeremy says you can look for Granola Jeremy on Facebook and you'll find him for me. Just put in Jason Brock and search away. We look forward to hearing from you, hopefully soon.